Say my name, say my name when no one is around you. Say, baby, I love you. Run and change. If you're running game. <laughs> yeah, I was making. I know. <laughs> I was like, he's just going to mumble his way through it. Ready? Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a new podcast from the reprehensibly young, half-heartedly hip, and officiously lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis. Hello. And Olga Segura. Hey, guys. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. How are you? It's going pretty officiously. Officiously? <laughs> Zach, can you give us the official uh, SAT definition? Prone to giving unwanted advice. You so, don't Zach Davis? So, Zach Davis. I am quite officious, yes. Use it in a sentence. Uh, uh, <laughs> Zach Davis is officious. <laughs> people stopped listening to our podcast because uh, we're, we are officious. Uh, Olga, who's our guest? Right. So we'll be chatting with Father James Martin. This is his, what, fourth appearance? Fourth appearance. Yes. Fourth appearance. Yeah. He was our very first guest where we talked about Lent. Yes. Lent. Then we, then we talked about Confessions. Episode, episode 13. 13. Yeah. And then episode not Confessions, 13. just not Augustine's Confessions. Oh, just yes. Oh, no, oh, okay. Sorry. Going to confession. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for mansplaining so that to me. Sack. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> he was our guest, episode 21, where we talked about his book, Building a Bridge. Yes, his book on the Catholic Church and LGBT relations. And this week, we'll be talking about his new book, In All Seasons, For All Reasons, Praying, Praying Throughout the Year. Praying Throughout the Year. Yes. Yeah. How do you pray in September? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but in the spirit of having Father James Martin on for his fourth show, I came up with the Father James Martini. <laughs> yes, so that's what we're And there's having. a little bit of a story behind it. Uh, when I first got to America four years ago, when it was a mom and pop shop, we would go upstairs in the Jesuit house for lunch every Monday. And Jim Martin, like, peels like a very large part of the apple off and then just like eats the center of it. <laughs> and I was like annoyed that he was wasting so much apple. So but I just kind the, of... <laughs> but not the core. Like he doesn't... Yeah, no. So it's like this very small part of the apple that he actually eats. And like I was mm. new and I just like started like taking the peels off his plate and eating him. And <laughs> he was like, excuse me. I do um, remember like, you randomly yeah. eating a <laughs> discarded apple off of his plate. Yes. So our martini, it's a regular martini with uh, apple peel in it. <laughs> Stolen from Jim Martin's lunch plate. <laughs> and what are we calling this? The Father James Martini. Yes. Now, do you eat the, have you seen the way that you eat the apple if you go from the bottom? No. All the way through? You but eat, I, you I eat the eat entire, the whole core. no, I do that, but I don't go from the bottom. You eat the core. I eat the core. Kind of gross. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Waste nothing, want nothing. All right. So, shall we? Uh... Uh, yeah. So, speaking of Father James Martin and his new book, exciting news. Yeah. So, did you know that only like, Four percent of our listeners have left us iTunes reviews. I did not. Know it's that. even less than That's that. That's very My producer. <laughs> Come on, you guys. <laughs> uh, our producer Eloise just pointed out to me it's actually less than one percent. Less wow. than one percent. But oh, she also did not do great on the GRE's math portion, so we're not <laughs> totally sure. We're gonna have to fact check that number after the show. But anyway, we only, we have eighty three iTunes reviews. But good news, dear listener, we have five copies of Father James Martin SJ's new book to raffle off to people who leave us iTunes reviews. Yes. And, so, I, and I hear what you're saying, but I've already left you one. Am I ineligible? 
sort of. If you create a new account and leave us a new review, or you convince your friend to leave a review, screenshot that and the text message where you convince them to leave a review, and you will also be eligible. Yes. Email us at jesuitical.americanmedia.org with whatever your your iTunes name was so yes. that we can check it. And don't and don't just like steal someone else's review. Yeah, don't. That'd be mean. Yes. <laughs> Time for some uh, Catholic news. <laughs> It is time for some signs mm-hmm. of the times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. So you mentioned last week's episode that Pope Francis was in Colombia for five days and he made news for several reasons, one of which included that black eye that he was sporting, which, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's quite the shiner. It it's really, like, really <laughs> is. Um, you should see the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was a gla- it was the glass yeah. window of his, his car. His <laughs> driver stopped short and he banged his head against the uh, the plexiglass uh, yeah. shielding. Um, but he also made news for some comments that he made on DACA and climate yeah. change on the um, plane as he's on the to plane. Do. Yeah, as he's becoming so infamous for these you know like hot takes that he seems to take. So after a reporter asked him about the current DACA decision of the Trump administration, Pope Francis admitted he hadn't read the DACA decision in its entirety. What's but DACA? the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Um, so he admitted he hadn't read this in detail, so he wasn't as 100% as he would want to be. But he stated, I have heard it said that the president of the United States presents himself as a man who is pro-life. And if he is a good pro-life man, then he will understand that the family is the cradle of life and that it must be defended as a unit. I love that he said <laughs> presents himself as a man. <laughs> he did not say he is pro-life. <laughs> uh, it's, the, yeah. it's that usual Pope Francis shade that we have come to... <laughs> expect when he talks about trump unfortunately you know Mm -hmm. and it's interesting i heard some people being like why did the pope feel like he needed to speak out on you know u.s politics when he's on his way back from and i'm like he was asked yeah someone asked him what he thought about (laughs) it was he just gonna ignore the reporter like yeah and someone also asked him about climate change right yes um so it's timely because we've just experienced hurricanes harvey and irma um and many people are saying that this is linked to climate change so pope francis pretty much said for those politicians who don't believe that climate change is real Talk to scientists, listen to them because they are experts in this field. And he said they are not these. Theirs is not an airy fairy opinion. And, and didn't he say something about like he compared it to the Old Testament or something? Yeah, he was kind of like, you know, man can kind of sometimes be stupid and choose to see what he wants to see and ignore the other things that are going on around him. So actually, Olga, I believe the original Hebrew. Is, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have anything. Okay. <laughs> And, uh, and there was a Catholic, he, Pope Francis, like, sort of undermined his own Newsweek about yeah, being no, in Yeah, no, he, he scooped himself, or not scooped himself, <laughs> he buried his own news or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because on Saturday, he released a, what's called a motu proprio, um, it's called Magnum Principum, and it changed the rules that guide how um, liturgical form reforms are made. So it gave oh, Wait, him, wait, wait, I, yeah. I, I, he issued it by way of... Motu proprio. It's not an actual motu. Okay. Yes. All right. So (laughs) in common usage, people have been using motu proprio as a noun, but it is actually an adverb, I guess, meaning of his own initiative. So it was an apostolic letter issued motu proprio. Thank Hmm. you for that clarification, Zach. (laughs) But (laughs) not a problem. So, yeah, so the significance of this is Pope Francis has said he wants to decentralize power from the Vatican to the uh, national churches. Um, And so many churches are still in the process of 
um, reforming the way like their masses are translated and different liturgical prayers. Uh, so this will give different countries power over that. So you might be wondering why this matters to you. Does it matter to us? Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> was waking up after a night of fun Friday, um, Saturday morning, um, Two frantic texts from me being like, Zach, get up! Catholic emergency. Catholic emergency. And I was trying to explain it to friends and family, like, what was going on. And they were like, that's interesting. Does not sound emergency level, though. Yeah. And it took, I think, all of us a little Mm -hmm. while to figure out why this was such a big deal. Yeah. Correct. Um, And the reason, okay, this is going to get, like, pretty deep in the weeds. But in 2001, the Vatican issued the instructions called Liturgium Authenticum, and that's what kind of started the liturgy wars that the U.S. has been having. Mm-hmm. You might remember back in, like, 2010, was it, when they the new mass translation came out and people were up in arms about having to say, like, and with your spirit instead of, and with you, or... Maybe if you don't go to mass very often, you're still saying this. <laughs> yes, it's not like, possible. I totally you get am a bunch still of, saying it, and, and also get, with you. <laughs> and you get a bunch of stares and judge. And yeah, judge. which it might seem petty, but some of the changes, like saying, um, like, salvation for the many instead of for all, some people, you know, really thought that was problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, so the good or bad news, depending on where you stand, is this is not going to, like, change. Mass is not going to, like, go back to the old version anytime soon because of this decision um but moving forward other countries will be able to um you know kind of come to their own conclusions the vatican still has to give their stamp of approval but they're not going to be as hands-on yeah and you know this is a huge deal because people really love to be fired up about yes i can attest to that from my twitter account i'm not like an active twitterer tweeter whatever (laughs) um but on saturday i tweeted so does this mean we can start saying cup instead of chalice which the answer is no (laughs) but but people weighed in like in full force either like denouncing me for being a silly millennial who just wants to like and they said actually (laughs) ashley the original latin from the vulgate yeah closer to chalice (laughs) No, literally someone said, words of two syllables is just asking too much these days. Can't we have a Twitter liturgy in 140 characters? Like, I was like, dude, oh, <laughs> freaking work for the church. I'm not like Jesus. some flippant yeah, yeah, yeah. millennial. <laughs> but yes. So stick that in your chalice and sip on it. <laughs> <laughs> so in other Pope Francis news today, which is Wednesday, uh, an Indian priest, Salesian priest, who had been captured in Yemen in 2016, Father Tom Uzanalo, was released earlier this week. And he today got to meet the Pope. And yeah. it was a really, these pictures yeah, were the really pictures beautiful. Are amazing. Yeah. He's like kneeling in front of him and then kisses Pope Francis's feet. Yeah, Pope Francis was really beautiful. picked him up and kissed his hand. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, while he wasn't able to say Mass every day, um, he wasn't able to say mass at all. Um, he recited the words of the liturgy in his head mm-hmm. every single day, and that included praying for Pope Francis. So he let the Pope know that he was praying for him every day. And so um, everyone's very happy to see him safe and free, and he got to meet the Pope, which is very exciting. That was very exciting. Um, and another religious order news. <laughs> yes. A nun in Florida <laughs> uh, came out to help after Hurricane Irma. Yes, I... Uh, This is not super recommended by the makers of chainsaws, but a Carmelite nun decided to uh, 
you know, get her, get her hands dirty, so to speak. And she picked up a chainsaw <laughs> in full habit and started, uh, very dangerous. Cl- not, yeah. Don't cl- do this at home. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people pointed out like loose fitting clothes are not the best thing to clear away hurricane stuff from, but they do make for a pretty great yeah, nun image because she looks pretty bad. She does. ASS. Yes, she does. Total with a chainsaw. Yeah. Jeez. You thought nuns with rulers were scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of runs with <laughs> nuns with rulers, Central Catholic High School in located in sunny Toledo, Ohio, mm. is in the news for some not great reasons. So apologies on behalf of the state. Um, <laughs> but so Malachi Watley is a student at the high school, and he's been wearing his hair in dreadlocks because he. He's in touch with his Caribbean roots. And the school is saying that he is violating the school's dress code and it is not in line with the school's Catholic mission and the emphasis that they place on the teachings of Jesus Christ, etc. And the family is fighting back because they're saying that for him to remove the locks would be for him to just throw away his culture. I I really... And Jesus (laughs) obviously said a lot about dreadlocks. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So Um, they thought this... You know, you'd think this would be like a simple like... Oh, some person got a pa- was on a power trip and should have apologized immediately and this should be resolved right away. Yeah, but the school is like really buckling down and have told the family if you can't maybe you maybe you guys need to find another school that is more in line with your own values. Wow. Um, I don't I, I yeah. really don't get yeah. this. Um I don't, you know, Zach, you just mentioned I don't recall Jesus saying anything against dreadlocks, so I don't understand. And you know what? Well, actually, Olga, <laughs> the original uh, Aramaic. Uh, in <laughs> um, and this is troubling uh, for obvious reasons, but also for people it's of racist. color. It's, it's racist. <laughs> yes, it is absolutely racist to it is absolutely racist to tell a person of color that they can't wear their hair in its natural state. Like, as a woman of color, my hair is very much tied to my identity. So yeah. if I were told, if America were to tell me not to wear my hair in its natural state, it would be super offensive. And to see this kid have to deal with that in high school, it's yeah. just... At 14, yeah. That's, at 14. And yeah. you, yeah. Tough this, to be your own advocate. This really gives me second thoughts about the state of Ohio being it's, the greatest you know, state in the nation. We we like fought a war over who got Toledo, <laughs> Ohio or Michigan. And I'm maybe we shouldn't have fought that war. <laughs> And this week, we marked the 16th anniversary of the terrorist attacks on September 11th. Um, and this had um, some people talking about, could there be a new saint? Could there be a new saint? Uh, the first gay saint, to be correct. Uh, Father Michael Judge was one of the victims of 9-11. He was the first official victim. The first official victim of 9-11. He was that iconic photo of him being carried out by firefighters. By firefighters. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was a chaplain for the fire department. And a lot of people are even saying that he was administering last rites before he died as well. Um, so he's very much known for the work he did during 9-11, but also he was involved in the St. Francis AIDS ministry. So he did a lot of advocacy work for the LGBT community in New York City at a time when, you know, the AIDS crisis was rampant in the city. So back in July, the Vatican announced that it was expanding criteria for sainthood. So the Reverend Luz Escalante in Argentina was actually the first person who's pushing the who's pushing the canonization for Judge Forward. So this is pretty exciting. Yeah, actually, like one of the first masses I went to in New York when I first moved here was uh, his memorial mass. I just Mm -hmm. sort of was looking for mass to go to, and I wandered into St. Francis of Assisi on 31st Street. And um, that was the first time that the attacks were really made, like, present in front of me. Mm -hmm. Um, Being with people who lost loved ones um, in the liturgy was... Yeah. And so like so many saints, he's already a local saint for many people. And it's just a question of getting through the the very bureaucratic uh, path to 
Well, official safe. I think some. I think we've gotten. Uh, I don't know. Spoiled's not the right word, but there have been some high profile canonizations that have happened very quickly in mm-hmm. recent years, and these can take like centuries. Centuries. <laughs> so this could be another case of that. Today, we're excited to bring back Father James Martin for This Is Now What, your fourth time on Jesuitical Gym? I think so. Wow, you yeah. just really like us. Wait, I thought third. No, fourth. Fourth, fourth right? <laughs> oh, someone tweeted at us last night and said, isn't this his third time being on the show? And <laughs> nope, they were wrong. It's his fourth. Yeah, I guess that third time was kind of forgettable, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim, you've got a new book out called In All Seasons for All Reasons, Praying Throughout the Year. I do, yeah, and uh, thanks for remembering the title. I was talking to my mom last night, and uh, she said, your little book on prayer, what's it called again? (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm sure you're excited to maybe pivot and talk about this book for a change. (laughs) Yeah, talk about about prayer for a change. Uh, Yeah, so uh, this book is a um, collection of uh, essays that originally appeared in Give Us This Day, which is a a monthly prayer resource that comes out in print and online. Uh, there's an app for it. That's sort uh, of like at the back of your parish. Sometimes they're 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 like in little. I hope so. Booklets they're um, handing, you can get. <laughs> they um, collected all the um, uh, monthly prayer uh, essays that I have. They're each under 250 words and put them together in a nice book. And um, actually, they did all the editing and collated it. And all I had to do was you know look it over with my red pen and instant book. Wow. Bam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Bad. Mm-hmm. So. What can you really say in 250 words? <laughs> well, I always remind people that uh, each of the Beatitudes is under 140 characters. <laughs> That's a good So, point. you know, and you know, the gospel, uh, you know, usually the gospels are pretty short too, and Jesus ends up packing some punch That's in them. Point. And, you know, I think short and sweet, frankly. Uh, you know, the, the old um, uh, rules for uh, giving a good homily is uh, be brief, be clear, and be gone. <laughs> you know, so, and people are happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think you're good at praying? I mean, I guess you do if you wrote a book on it, but... <laughs> you know, you know, actually, no, that's... I think a, a lot of people don't that, think they're good at that praying. That is a great mm-hmm. question. Do you and think you're good at praying? No. <laughs> okay. I, I do not think I'm good at praying. Zach? Uh, no. no. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, you know, you, it's funny because I, I give a lot of talks on prayer and I usually say uh, how many people pray and maybe, you know, three quarters of the people raise their hand because I'm usually talking to Catholic audiences. How many people think that they pray well? Boom, all the hands go down. <laughs> and I think a lot of that is, uh, and I talk about uh, that in the book a little bit, that people tend to compare themselves or sort of internally compare themselves. They must think, oh, everybody else's prayer must be great. All everybody else has to do is kind of close their eyes and instantly they're flooded with the sense of God's presence. But, you know, as we know from writing and just talking to other people and even from the lives of the saints, like someone like Mother Teresa, that that's not the case. And usually, uh, you know, people have difficulties, prayers dry. So, I address some of those topics in the book. Yeah, I mean, I would say I, I my prayer, It's and it's not me who's doing it, but my prayer is rich sometimes. You know, like I had a great mm-hmm. retreat a couple weeks ago, which was very consoling. But, you know, like this morning, <laughs> not a lot. So, <laughs> and, and that's okay. And part of it is just to you know, when you're doing spiritual direction, helping people with their prayer and, and finding God in their daily life, you know, that, that, that's one of the things you tell people, like, there's nothing to worry about. It's like, mm-hmm. I always say to people, it's like if you went into the doctors and the first time you ever had a cold, right? Let's say you never got a cold. It's like, oh, my nose is all stuffed up and I'm running and I have a fever. And the doctor says, you got a cold. And he's like, well, what does this mean? 
you know, not much. I mean, you got a cold, so it'll pass. And so that's like prayer. It's, you know, dry periods and rich periods. So what do you do in the moments in your life? Or what have you done when you've struggled with prayer? How do you get yourself out of it? it, Has there been like a dark night of the soul kind of period where it's been like really bad? Or is it just kind of like dry periods? I think just dry periods. Those are great. Those are both great questions. Uh, To take Olga's question first, um, you know, I I guess, you know, I've been a Jesuit for 30 years. It doesn't bother me. It's like getting a cold. He's like, okay, I got a cold, you know? And I know mm-hmm. that the, the sort of consolation and the richness comes back. You know, Ignatius, St. Ignatius, founder of the Jesuits, says that you should actually redouble your time in prayer if it's kind of dry. Mm-hmm. You should do a little penances. Um, and you should kind of remind yourself that this is what Ignatius says, which is true, that um, prayer is a gift, you know? It's not something you can kind of manufacture or kind of do. So I'm actually okay with it. I'm, I'm fine. Um, long dark nights, Ashley, not really. I mean, you know, I might go a week or two without some sort of, you know, I, what happens to prayer? Insight, memories, feelings, desires, you know, those kinds of things. And then it comes back. Um, what I have had to sort of, um, uh, sort of not settle for, but uh, kind of be okay with was my, my sort of best times in prayer. And maybe you guys have this experience, you know, or on retreats. Mm-hmm. And I have to sort of, it took me a long time to realize this, that my prayer in daily life is not going to be like it's going to be on a retreat. It no. just isn't. You know, you're rushed and you're scattered and, and that's okay. It's like, it's like going on vacation with someone, you know, it's, yeah. it's just different. That's okay. But I, you know, I would love to be on vacation all the time. <laughs> I would too. Yeah. But you know, even, even the people who we think are on vacation all the time with God, like monks and sisters who are cloistered. Um, you know, even their prayer is, is kind of up and down. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think at the beginning of a prayer life, God really kind of draws you in, right? That's the way that God has a really kind of grabbing you. And then it sort of settles down. Yeah. <laughs> and you also can't live at that fever pitch. You cannot live at that, you know, kind of intense consolation all the time. I think you'd burn out. Now, the book is structured. Um, one of the first sections is you go through methods of prayer. So, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, wh- what's the best one? If I could just cut to the Yeah, chase. sure. No, the best prayer um, is the one that works best for you, basically. I know that's kind of a Zen answer, yes. but um, it's true. I mean, some people like uh, the examination of conscience, which is this kind of review of the day. Some people like rote prayer, uh, you know, Hail Mary, Our Father. Some people like centering prayer, which is just sort of this wordless prayer. Some people like Ignatian contemplation. So really, it depends. And, you know, Bill Barry, the great spiritual master, uh, the Jesuit, a New England Jesuit, who's written a lot of books, uh, said that you can fruitfully compare it to a relationship, right? So, well, what's your relationship with God like? And so, you know, Zach, if you were to tell to, tell me like, well, I have this friend, and and you know, we 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 go out to dinner, you know, every week, mm-hmm. and I'd say, well, that's terrible. That's not the way a friendship should be. It's like, well, actually, yeah. that's the way we like it, you know. Or Olga, if you said I have this friend who, you know, we call each other up, uh, you know, every every other day, and I'd say, well, that's actually you should go out to dinner, right? It's just. It's just different ways mm-hmm. of relating, and that's okay. You so know? what's the best for you personally? For me personally, well, I do uh, in the morning what's called Ignatian contemplation, where mm-hmm. I kind of imagine myself in the scripture scenes, which I love. You know, and sometimes it works. I think that's important to say. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it's working. Something's always mm-hmm. going on. And then the examination of conscience at the day, I always do that. I don't think I've missed that in 30 years. Mm. Uh, except wow. I give myself a break on retreat. <laughs> that's my that's my little vacation from that. So those really work well. The examination is um, five steps I talk about in the book. It's um, put yourself in the presence of God. You're grateful for something. You know, you kind of call it to mind, review of the day, soar over your sins and ask God for the grace for the next day. And that's pretty simple. Most people find that really easy to do because mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of seeing God in the real. 
Yeah. Ashley, do you have a method of prayer yeah. that works for you? I would say I tend to like uh, rote prayer. I was mm-hmm. when I was reading, I was reading the book, and I noticed like a couple places where I found myself like resisting it mm-hmm. and being like, ugh, like well, and, and then it was the colloquy where you like picture Jesus sitting in the chair mm-hmm. and talk to him like a friend, and then praying with friends. And I was like, oh gosh, what does this say about me that I don't want to <laughs> pray with Jesus as a friend or pray with my friends? Um, so you think is that? Is it okay to just like not like that type yeah. of prayer, or is that something that well, like, I a, would explore? Should explore? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll. You know, I would say uh, yes and no, or both. And I'll tell you a story. Well, first of all, you know, you don't, you can't like every kind of prayer. That's fine. So, I mean, there's there's certain kinds of prayer that I don't particularly cotton to, and that's okay. However, um, resistance is sometimes uh, a sign that you know there 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 are forces kind of pulling us away from God that mm-hmm. that you're kind of being prevented from doing something that you like. And I'll tell you the story. I was on retreat just last month, and my retreat. You know, I've been going on retreat for thirty years, and my retreat director said, you know, we we do Ignatian prayer. You know, imagining yourself in the scene, and I'm perfectly fine with that. And I was having a great retreat, and he said, um, well, I'd like you to walk with Jesus. And I said, um, well, I, I do walk with Jesus in my imagination. He said, no, I actually want you to go out outside and w- walk. And I said, and I <laughs> had this huge resistance. And I said, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> and he said, why not? Yeah. And he said, why not? And this is a good friend of mine. And I said, I just can't do it. And I listed all the reasons. I get distracted. I, you know, mm-hmm. put words in Jesus's mouth. I just, I just can't do it. And he said, I really want you to do it. And I could feel like, actually, like inside me, this resistance. And as a spiritual director, I thought, I know what that is. That's <laughs> that's really something you need to sort of look at. Mm-hmm. So I went outside. Um, I was walking in front of the retreat house. Uh, this is an Eastern Point in Gloucester, Mass. And I thought, well, now how am I supposed You know, this is, I've, I'm 56 years old and I've done this for a long time. I thought, well, how am I supposed to do this? Is Jesus going to like come into my mind or... So I'm walking down sort of in front of these pretty bushes, and I thought, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm not going to do this, and I'm going to try. And then I said to myself, um, well, you know, if I actually picture him next to me, maybe, and suddenly I felt differently. Mm-hmm. I could imagine him, and I actually felt this presence in a sense. It was just different. It was more intentional, and I thought, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And then we had a bit of a conversation, and it was really powerful and different. And and I thought, you know, at the end, like this is this is why sort of facing those kinds of resistances are really important. So who knows? It, it's one or the other. It's either hey, you don't like it, but you know, if you try it, maybe it's something that God wants you to kind of experience. So I found that really uh, astonishing for me, even after so long of praying, that there's still stuff that, you know, we can learn about prayer. It was a great, it was a great way to pray. It was pretty, uh, it's pretty intense because you really have to concentrate, you yeah. know. And if, let me tell you, if like someone was passing by, I was like, I'm not going to be looking at you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Jesus is right here. I feel like I would just get hung up on trying to imagine what he looks like. I have a friend who told me that he, ima- I, I imagine Jesus, I'll share this with you. I imagine him sort of the traditional Jesus, red robe, all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you, at one point, I we went um, on the Stations of the Cross. There's a beautiful Stations of the Cross, and I went through it one day, and I was like, "Oh, you know, this is." And then I went through it with him. <laughs> that was quite different. Wait, with Jesus? With Jesus? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was really different. And when we were walking, you know, Matt, you know, these things come to you in prayer. I noticed his feet had the holes in them. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so that was really powerful. But this friend of mine, um, I was talking about it with this friend of mine afterwards, and he said, I imagine Jesus in jeans and, you know, T-shirt. That, mm-hmm. That's my Jesus. And so, you know, whatever Jesus you're comfortable with. Okay. I've actually never even thought to imagine Jesus when I'm praying. I'm always like, it's a conversation. He's just hearing me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I get so distracted. I think I should. I've never actually thought to be like, okay, this is what this looks like. This is me with Jesus. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why it's so difficult for me to stay focused during my morning prayers. It can help sometimes. And, you know, uh, what San Ignatius says, Olga, which is really interesting, because, you know, some people pray to, like, more generally God, mm-hmm. you know, God the creator, than Jesus, which is fine, too. Um, so that's one way, you know, imagining him literally sitting across from you, which I, I do pretty frequently. But also, Ignatius says, which I love, before you start your prayer period, imagine God, uh, you, you stand up, let's say you're sitting in a chair, mm-hmm. you're, do, you, do you sit in a chair, do you kneel, or do you lie I your, sit in a chair, yeah. or so on ima- a couch, yeah. whatever. So you imagine, you stand up, and you take a minute, and you imagine God looking at you in that chair, mm-hmm. which is really powerful. Yeah. So you imagine, you stand, you just imagine God looking at you. And then when you sit down, there's this really profound sense of being in God's presence. Mm-hmm. So that, that can kind of help us, because a lot of times it becomes just a monologue, yeah. Almost, if you forget that there's someone mm-hmm. with you and listening. As yeah. much as I love the sound of my own voice, <laughs> it, yeah, it's good to... Yeah, the sound of God's voice is even better. <laughs> right, that's what I... <laughs> right. I think uh, I, I had a really strong experience of prayer when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and the things that were working for me then were like retreats and adoration and like these really intense movements of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the things I struggle with in young adulthood are sort of this like just day-to-day normal relationship. And I think I've said sometime before, but like, it's almost like if you have this friend that you've been meaning to catch up with and you know you need like an hour. Mm -hmm. And so, or you need two hours. And Mm so you might have 15 minutes to catch up with them and you're like, oh wait, no, I need two hours. So I'm going (laughs) to put that off. And so then you don't end up talking to him at all. Right, yeah. Well, and I mean, that's Bill Barry's great insight that if you compare that to a relationship. So what happens to a relationship when you do that? Which is, it gets cold and you feel distant. And as a friend of mine likes to say, if God feels far off, guess who moved? Um, so to, to look at it that way and to, and to say, you know, if my relationship to say, uh, you know, friends or girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife or wherever we are, you know, is is important you would spend time with that person and if your relationship with god is important you would spend time with god too so it's a good it's a good recognition and i think the older we get you know you're all young adults and you're all in the the working world now it does get harder and and then there is some people saying well how do you find time and the answer is you actually have to kind of carve it out it would be like exercise and someone to say how do you find time for the gym well like well you like carve out that time (laughs) because it's important to you right yeah so i think especially during like we're right now in the very long stretch of ordinary time it can be easier to like become distant um mm-hmm. so what what advice do you have for um spicing up pumpkin spice, <laughs> pumpkin spice, pumpkin <laughs> spice <laughs> prayer yes right um because there's know, no fall in this all seasons book i was looking for <laughs> september there's november yes, and summer but yes, no fall no fall um you know i think that the that for people who are having a hard time structuring i would say you know i i tend to say the first thing is to get a a sort of regularity about it. You know, like again, like going to the gym. You know, like people either go in the morning, they go in the afternoon, and there's some regularity to it. So I think structure actually helps us. Uh, and so maybe a little time in the morning, a little bit of examine. But, you know, actually, I actually find following the, uh, 
the readings of the day really helpful for me because there's enough variety. I mean, you know, Jesus does a lot of different things. He heals, he preaches, uh, that, that it, that can kind of give some flavor to the prayer. And then when you get into the liturgical seasons, when we move out of ordinary time and we're into Advent, you know, then the readings are just even more beautiful. But, you know, or, or you spend, you know, one whole week, if you feel like it, on one prayer that you love, you know, or one gospel reading that you love or one word that you love. I mean, which I think is, Really great. You know, I was reading um, the story of the rich young man uh, a couple months ago, and I came across this one passage where, you know, the guy comes to Jesus and said, what do I do to gain eternal life? And there's a passage where it said, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I remember thinking, well, where'd that come from? <laughs> you know, it's one of these gospel readings where you read it and you're like, where was that? You know? And I just sort of thought about that. Jesus looked at him and loved him and imagined Jesus looking at all of us who are kind of sinful and really loving us, wanting the best for us, instead of like, now I'm going to give you this like hard command. So so that was like a whole week of prayer for me, which wow. was kind of nice. What's the worst advice on prayer that you've ever heard someone give? Oh, the worst <laughs> advice on prayer. <laughs> Not that we want to give it more signal, but... Well, I was doing a spiritual direction retreat at somewhere where I will not name, and I was being trained, and I was, um, this is a great story, actually, and we were being trained in spiritual direction in a particular way, and uh, I was directing this priest who was having this kind of vocation crisis that was like a three-day retreat, you know, that he was coming to me for, and um, so we were doing Ignatian prayer, I'll never forget this, and uh, it was Jesus at the, and the storm at sea, and the priest was in the boat, you know, and Jesus was asleep, and the priest was going through this crisis. Mm-hmm. And so he was waiting for Jesus to wake up. You know that story where the apostles are afraid and Jesus is asleep and, you know, he, they wake him up and say, don't you care about us? And so it's really sort of deep prayer experience for this guy. And, you know, we, we met and I went to my supervisor and uh, I said, well, you know, this guy is really, um, you know, into this prayer period. And she said, well, <laughs> she said, uh, tell him to move on to, you know, the feeding of the 5,000. <laughs> Well, right. I'm glad you left. And I said, because uh, that's what's in the schedule. Yeah. Well, exactly. And I said, uh, he really is benefiting from being in the boat with Jesus. And I think he's waiting for Jesus to wake up. And she said, well, no, because tomorrow is the feeding of the 5,000. I will never forget this. I, I tell this often in spiritual direction classes. And I said, well, I really think he needs to stay there. And she said to me, you tell him to get out of that boat. <laughs> <laughs> which wow. I did not, you know, and I knew enough to be able to say he needs to stay in the boat. And he had this beautiful experience of uh, Jesus waking up and kind of consoling him. And that was the worst, ex- that was the worst advice I've ever heard about. Wow. Prayer. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, what, what does yeah. it mean? It means that, you know, that, that this person wanted, you know, this guy to be on her schedule, not on God's schedule, but mm. you know, we tend to, I, I think God's timetable is better than ours. Okay, so thanks, Jim. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, thank keep you. Keep me in your prayers. <laughs> yeah, keep us in your prayers I as will. well. So you've done this. This is going to be your fourth time. So who would you canonize, living or dead, Catholic, non-Catholic? Yeah, and that's a good one. I think I picked Jean Vanier once. I picked mm-hmm. Janine Gramic. And uh, living or dead, gee, that's a good one. I would say... Hmm. Or fictional. Or, f- or fictional, yeah. We, we've gotten several fictional. Could be Marsha Brady. Marsha Brady. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. There you are talking about her again. What about Jan? And poor Cindy. Uh, I'd say I'd say Pedro Arupe, if we're talking about prayer. I mean, he was the uh, superior general of the society from 65 to 83, and just this extremely holy guy who really helped the society pray and also focused us uh, on social justice. He is now servant of God, so... 
He's he's nice. getting on there. his way. There's, he's on the, his way. Is there an Arupe prayer? Am I making that up? There's so. a couple. There's there's <laughs> there's, there's uh, fall in love, uh-huh. stay in love, which is actually attributed to Arupe. Mm-hmm. We found out at America Magazine yes. that wasn't him. But one of the ones that he um, composed, which is him, uh, after his stroke, which I think I'll par- I can paraphrase. I think it's really beautiful. It's a prayer of surrender. He says. More than he's he's had a stroke and he's sort of debilitated and he says more than ever I find myself in the hands of God. This is what I've wanted from my youth, but now there is a difference. Now the initiative is entirely with God. It is a, indeed a profound experience to feel myself so totally in His hands. So it's just just total. Mm-hmm. I call it the more than ever prayer. Total surrender. So he's a great guy. I really love him and he really means a lot to me. So. If I were right. Pope, which I will not be, I'd canonize him. <laughs> Great. Right. So Amen. the book is In All Seasons, For All Reasons by Liturgical Press. Well, by you, published by Liturgical Press. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Jim. Thanks, Thanks Jim. Jim. My pleasure. Thank you. And now it's time for some listener feedback. Uh, in anticipation of this week's episode on prayer, we asked our Twitter followers, what's the first prayer you remember learning? There's a lot and of responses to this. <laughs> this is officially our most popular Twitter poll, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and Helped our, by the fact that... <laughs> our guest this week, uh, Father James Martini, I mean, Father James Martin, <laughs> um, his, his fa- his, the one he first remembers is Hail Mary, which is still his favorite. Yep. There we go. Yep, and then Mary McVeigh wrote in, My mother taught me this first. Lovely lady dressed in blue, teach me how to pray. God was just your little boy. Tell me what to say. Nice. And Michelle Bukowski said, Baruch Ata Adonai. I started in a different place. So I'm assuming she was Jewish and then converted to Catholicism. Mm, yeah. Or maybe she's still Jewish, but still a beautiful prayer. Yeah. And Nick Sawicki from Buffalo wrote in, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Bless this bed that I lay on. One to watch, two to pray, one to bear my soul away. Aw, Nick. Yes, and there were so, and there are like so many, which I think for me like reminds. It reminded me that these memories mean a lot to us in our yeah. faith. Mm-hmm. Lives. You know, being taught prayers mm-hmm. um, is such an evocative thing. Whether they're like meal, a lot of people said meal prayers too. Yeah. Like, did you guys like do the whole like kneel next to your bed with your parents thing? Yeah. No, I did I not. Did. Okay, you did not. I did. No. What was my first prayer? That I remember. Ashley, do you have one? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That was, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That was uh, probably, I don't know, maybe yeah, our the most common, common response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's that's the one I remember, like kneeling by the bed, saying, "Yeah, Olga. just to you know you contemplate remember? death before the Our Father." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you did you learn your prayers in Spanish or English? I learned them in English because yeah. I started praying more when I started Catholic school, so I yeah. learned them in English, but then. Once I started praying with my mother, I learned them in Spanish. And then mm. in Italian, just going to throw that out there. Ooh, that I'm a trilingual How do you prayer. say the Hail Mary in Italian? Okay, Ashley, just don't put, put you on the spot. Ashley, do not do that. <laughs> we'll save that for another episode. Yeah, and I've had yeah. more martinis in me. Actually, actually, the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's been you, are, Do you only know prayers in Latin, Zach? Uh, uh, Ave Maria, Dominus Tecum. Oh, God. <laughs> that's it. Okay. <laughs> All right. And just as a reminder, if you missed it earlier, that Father James Martin has a new book in all seasons for all reasons and we've been given five copies to give away to jesuitical fans so wow. the way you win the way you win is you go to the itunes and you leave us one of those reviews um it's if you don't know how to do that look it up you basically have to sign in with your itunes account and give us preferably five stars and once you do that <laughs> screenshot that send us an email at jesuitical at 
or tweet it at us at Jesuitical Show, and you will be entered into a random drawing in which you will be. And if you win, we will email you or tweet you back and ask you for your mailing address. All right. Now it's time for Consolations and Desolations, the part of the show where we talk about where we found God this week and where it was harder to find God. What do you have, Zach? I have a consolation this week. When I moved to China in 2014, uh, a lot of things were really tough. I moved from Rome to Beijing. And so I was in a place where Catholicism was sort of everywhere. And then I moved to Beijing and, you know, there are five churches in Beijing for 23 million people. So it's not exactly prevalent. Um, And a lot of things were just hard. I didn't know, I didn't know the language at all. Um, And I met a, one of my good friends now, um, Mario, who's from Chicago, he was also an expat, and he sort of just took me under his wing and um, showed me around the city, introduced me to people, and gave me like a real sense of home there. Um, And he is visiting New York this week, and we were hanging out, and he sort of pulled me aside, and he just said like, hey, like, thanks for everything you're doing for me here, and like, thanks for welcoming me, thanks for, you know, having me, which just took me back, because I was like, no, (laughs) why are you thanking me? And so to be able to provide the type of welcome that I received just made me feel the palpable presence of God and how he's always welcoming us Mm -hmm. um, no matter where we are. And so they will know we are Christians by our love for each other and our welcoming. So I showed him how to get to the Q train. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) So Ashley is also part of that welcome. (laughs) You're welcome, Mario. (laughs) Ashley, what do you got? Um, So I guess it's a consolation. Um, but so right now I'm in the midst of editorial writing, which is stressful, and I'm writing about like dysfunction in Washington. So I've just been reading about politics for 24 hours. And then last night I was going to bed. And as I do, I like put on the NPR politics podcast. And then I was at the same time trying to come up with my consolation and desolation. <laughs> so I was just like there. Like, what a being multitasker. Like, okay, I guess my desolation is going to be that like I feel like my life is like just all politics all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I like looked at my my phone i was just like jesus like i'm doing this to myself i'm like listening to a politics podcast mm-hmm. while i go to sleep and like jesus was the word that actually like i said it out loud and then like i had also that day read jim martin's book and one of the type of prayers he suggests is just like centering on a word and so i was like i'm just gonna keep saying jesus <laughs> until i feel better and so i did um and it was it was it was good like it's not a type of prayer i've ever tried before just mm-hmm. like centering on a word and repeating it and resting on that word um and so eventually i fell asleep had a good night of dreams i had a lot of dreams that were like no, po- no political dreams <laughs> and, <laughs> no. and jim also writes in the book about how god comes to you in your dreams yes and i dreamed about puppies and babies there you go that's god right there <laughs> and then i like woke up at 6 a.m which i never do feeling like very refreshed so i was really like i woke up being like wow that was amazing. <laughs> Look at God. You should get a puppy or a baby. <laughs> <laughs> or both. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Um, so I've got, I think this is a consolation, even though it's a scary one for we me. S- we sound, you both sound unsure, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll let this you guys. stuff. Okay. <laughs> I've been really introspective. Anyways, um, so I'll let you guys decide. This kind of feels like a consolation. Um. So I was at a barbecue this past Sunday with a lot of Christians from uh, Protestants, to be exact, um, and they're very into like faith sharing. And I've never officially joined a faith sharing group. Like I've had unofficial things with my friends or people in my or lives Jesuitical. or Jesuitical. <laughs> this is like the closest I've come to something. And I think where the, our podcast is as popular as it is because I think Catholics just like 
want to do it, but in secret and yeah, don't yeah. want to have to share themselves. Yeah. So. Yes. So I was at this barbecue and um, it was very weird. Like I was nervous. I don't, aside from Jesuitical, like it's very difficult for me to talk about faith, to talk about like super theological things because it's out of my comfort zone. Then I was surrounded by people who were older than us because they all had kids and they were talking about marriage and all these things, but talking about faith and like wanting to welcome new people in. Um, so I was terrified, but I was also like, okay, this is actually a concrete way for me to experience God in a community that looks nothing like me because these are people who are in their thirties, have families, are like upper middle class up in Westchester. And I'm so out of my comfort zone, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, this could be a learning opportunity for me. Mm. Jim said in the interview, you know, resistance a lot of times. Yeah. But sometimes it can be like a sign mm -hmm. that you really need to go there and pray. Yeah, I've literally, it's all I've been feeling. I'm like, why do you want to do this? Talk <laughs> with people who are like so much more eloquent and just more succinct in their faith and stuff. I'm like, I don't want to do any of this. But God is meeting me there and God's like, hey, this is awkward, but you'll be all right. I'm there with mm. you. Yeah, nice. All right. Shall we wrap roll, it up? Roll Let's credits. do it. All righty. Jesuitical is brought to you by America Media and produced by Eloise Blondio. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Thanks to our in-studio audience this week, J.D. Long Garcia, our new senior editor for Latino Affairs. Or is that is that the right? That's right. Yeah. All right. Thumbs Got it. Up. Got the thumbs up. Jesuit Formation, provided by Eric Sundrup, SJ. Adult Supervision, provided by Sam Sawyer, SJ. Engineering, by Colleen Dully. Our logo is by Sean Tripoli. You can follow us on Twitter, at Jesuitical Show. Look out for a new poll every week. And we'll talk about it on the air. And please subscribe to us on iTunes. Once again, your chance for a free book from Jim Martin, if you could leave us a review. Um, and then subscribe to us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And shout out this week to Cheerzozo, <laughs> uh, Dallas Jesuit alum, Arnuzio, Jake Brainard, who I think has given us quite a few cocktail recipes. So extra thank you to that and to uh, Puddin' Pie. <laughs> thank and, you. <laughs> and send us your questions, feedback, cocktail recipes, and tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at AmericanMedia.org. For American Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Zach Davis and Olga Segura. We will see you next week.